Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 5.58 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 1st of June, 2021. This is episode 429 of Bitcoin. And we now know who's done all the cyber hacking. Apparently, it's people who hate meat. That's right. (laughs) No, seriously, I'm I'm absolutely serious. The world's biggest meat supplier, uh, let's see, uh, JBS, is hit as the latest cyber victim, I, I, I can't, you can't make this shit up. <clears throat> so what, you know, is it, is it the same people that's behind all the cyber attacks? Well, hell, I don't know. It just, I just, it's, I can't just, you know, not see the coincidence here. You got all these cyber hackings, right? You got like basically the narrative of if it if it wasn't for Bitcoin, we wouldn't have cyber hacking, which is bullshit. Okay. That's just like your your systems are insecure. That's why you're getting ransomed your ass off. But what I find what I find odd here is the supreme meat, you know, I hate meat narrative and, and Bill Gates running around pushing his uh his uh VAT sludge. And, um, you know, all of a sudden now we've get, we've got this, uh, cyber hacking on a meat supplier. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's a little tinfoil hattery and, and stuff, but I don't know, man, it's, it's, it's worthy of note anyway. So yeah, JBS, the world's largest meat supplier is hit by a cyber hacking. We'll, we'll have to see how that, how that story develops. But first we're going to go and, and talk about marathon mining. That's right, marathon mining. Those those people who have brought you such hits as we're only gonna mine OFAC compliant blocks and we're not signaling for Taproot and all the other hits from that frickin' place uh, seems to be well. They got a new CEO and the new CEO has something to say. Apparently, it's going to be along the lines of this. Bitcoin mining company Marathon will stop censoring transactions and start signaling for Taproot. So in a devout 180, we have probably the most hated Bitcoin mining firm on the planet, uh, you know, like singing another tune, right? So Namsios is writing it for Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, This was like yesterday. Marapool. The Bitcoin mining pool operated by digital asset technology company Marathon Digital Holdings will update its miners to the latest Bitcoin Core 0.21.1 software to signal for taproot activation and stop censoring transactions, according to a press release. Quote, Marathon is committed to the core tenets of the Bitcoin community, including decentralization, inclusion, and no censorship, said Marathon's new CEO, Fred Thiel. Quote, over the coming week, we will be updating all of our miners to the full standard Bitcoin Core 
0.21.1 node, including support for Taproot. By adopting the full standard Bitcoin Core node, we will be validating transactions on the blockchain in the exact same way as all other miners who use the standard node, end quote. Well, the announcement comes in great contrast to Marathon's actions over the past few months. In late March, the company announced its Bitcoin mining pool would filter transactions to mine blocks compliant with U.S. regulations, including anti-money laundering and Office of Foreign Asset Control, or OFAC, standards, effectively censoring transactions. And earlier this month, the company successfully mined its first compliant block, which I remind you, that their their uh, Bitcoin address that they received that uh, uh, subsidy from was immediately dusted <laughs> with with non OFAC compliant transactions from places like Iran and Sudan and all the other places that are on the United States sanctions list. So we found that hilarious. Continuing, the announcement comes in great contrast to Marathon's actions, or I'm sorry, Teal later added that, quote, Marathon looks forward to continue being a collaborative and supportive member of the Bitcoin community and to realizing the vision of Bitcoin as the first decentralized peer-to-peer -peer payment network that is powered by its users rather than a central authority or a middleman per the release. Taproot is a soft fork of, to the Bitcoin network that could improve Bitcoin's privacy and scripting capabilities. For example, the upgrade could make smart contracts more efficient and private by only revealing the relevant parts of the contract when spending. Additionally, it could improve Lightning Network privacy by making Lightning channels look like regular Bitcoin transactions. Taproot's current deployment method is called Speedy Trial, a variation of BIP9 version bits described in the Bitcoin Improvement Protocol 341. <clears throat> the process is characterized by miners and mining pools helping coordinate the deployment of the soft fork by signaling its support in their mined blocks. If 90% of the blocks in the signaling epoch of 2016 blocks between May and August show support for Taproot, the soft fork gets locked in as a Bitcoin protocol upgrade for November. According to data from Taproot.watch, 240 blocks have been mined in the current signaling epoch at the time of writing, and only six have not signaled for Taproot activation. Therefore, over 97% of the present epoch's mined blocks have signaled support for the upgrade. But not all of Mara Pool's mined blocks have signaled for taproot activation, amounting to half of the total of non-signaling blocks in this epoch. However, by upgrading its miners, Mara Pool might start signaling for taproot as early as next week, according to the release, leaving Bitcoiners very optimistic about the soft forks activation. If Mara Pool indeed, stop, indeed stops censoring transactions and Taproot gets locked in as a Bitcoin protocol upgrade for November, the year 2021 would be etched in Bitcoin's history as a vital year for the network, bringing improvements in privacy, fungibility, and scripting capabilities while laying the foundation for further improvements down the road. Okay, so we're going to have to see, guys. I don't trust these dudes. Not one bit. And just because their new month old CEO comes out and says that they're going to they're going to stop mining only OFAC compliant blocks. Well, OK, well, then what was all that bullshit, you know, blustering about, uh, you know, like, la you know, a couple of months ago when they started doing all this stuff? I mean, honestly, think about it. I mean, you're talking about, OK, I hate to say this because conviction is, is a word that I don't use lightly.
but where's your conviction? Now, I'm not saying they should, they should never have said anything about OFAC compliancy, ever. They should have never even gone there, and they did. And then they, like a month later or two months later, they flip-flop. You know, they started doing this shit in March. We're, we're here in June, so a couple of months later, it's like, oh, maybe that was a bad idea. Well, first of all, you think, and second of all, where's your conviction? If you really thought mining only OFAC compliant blocks was a really, really, really good idea, then why aren't, then why change your mind? As, as a company, what are you doing? Now, it's clear <clears throat> that they were going to have fun staying poor if they wanted to be a mining pool as the subsidy continues to drop because it's going to be mining fees that have to take up that slack. Otherwise, nobody's going to want to mine. Uh, the the mining the the fees for transactions are gonna have to rise. I hate to say it, but they're gonna have to rise to take place, or rather take the place of the subsidy. And if they were going to only mine OFAC compliant blocks, they were gonna they were looking at real trouble. But that shit should have been calculated for before you even started mining your first block. That's called due diligence, and they don't seem to have done it. And only now realizing, uh-oh. So this doesn't sound like a very well-run company, honestly. It just doesn't. So we'll, well, we're going to have to see what happens after this. Now, continuing with a little bit more lunacy, Miami Crypto Conference predicts attendance exceeding 50,000 people. Martin Young is spelling Bitcoin wrong, wrong for te Coin Telegraph yet again. I don't know why it is you cannot say the word Bitcoin Coin Telegraph, but it's starting to get pretty old. The Miami Crypto Conference is not a crypto conference. It is a Bitcoin conference. It's Bitcoin Conference 2021 in Miami. And the people that are going to be speaking supposedly are going to be speaking only about Bitcoin, even though they may be shitcoiners themselves. Not giving you know, any, anybody a complete pass on this, yet those are the instructions given to the presenters by the conference that you will talk only about Bitcoin. If you do not want to do that, you do not get to speak at the conference. Okay, this is not a crypto conference. It's a Bitcoin conference, yet... The number of 50,000, considering that only 12,000 tickets were sold, uh, that's, a, that's kind of a hell of a number. So let's dig into this. <clears throat> the Bitcoin 2021 conference in Miami has been touted as the largest Bitcoin event in crypto history, with organizers expecting a huge turnout. I'm going to stop right there. The headline, Miami Crypto Conference predicts attendance exceeding 50,000. First sentence of the article, the Bitcoin 2021 conference in Miami is the largest Bitcoin event in crypto history. How, I mean, at this point, how's this just not flat disingenuous? It's not a crypto conference. Their first sentence of the article is the Bitcoin 2021 conference. I'm having real difficulty putting these two things together in a cohesive whole. It's not cohesive at all. I don't know what Martin Young's problem is, and I don't know if it's even Martin Young. I don't know if he wrote the headline. <clears throat> that could be the editor. I, you know, who knows? So I just flat out laid the blame in Cointelegraph's lap. But continuing on, the event 
running for three days from June 3rd at the Mara Convention Center in Miami's Wynwood neighborhood, will play host to a number of industry executives and personality. Crypto luminaries scheduled for attendance include for, former Congressman Ron Paul, MicroStrategies, Michael Saylor, <clears throat> pro-crypto Wyoming Senator Cynthia Lummis, Square co-founder Jack Dorsey, and cryptographer Nick Zabo, among others. The organizers are expecting more than 50,000 attendees, according to a Fox Business report. Miami has emerged as a major tech hub in recent years, with the Wynwood neighborhood in particular evolving into a hub for technology and innovation. The crypto conference was previously held in Los Angeles, but organizers decided to move it due to venue availability issues. On the official website, event organizers stated, quote, in addition to moving cities, we are also pushing the conference back slightly to June 4th through the 5th, so as to allow ample time for the second wave of COVID-19 to pass for vaccine rollout to take place, end quote. A whale pass entry ticket is being offered with starting bids at three Bitcoin. The pass allows entry to Bitcoin 2021, five celebrity suite tickets to the upcoming Floyd Mayweather Jr. versus Logan Paul boxing match, three vintage bottles of 1996 Dom Perignon, a meet and greet with pro skateboarder Tony Hawk, and access to VIP concierge services. I guess that's to get strippers. I don't know. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez is among Bitcoin 2021 speakers. Suarez has gained fame within the crypto community for his pro-Bitcoin stance and incentive schemes intended to bolster digital asset adoption across the city. In February, Suarez stated that Miami City employees would be able to get their salaries paid in Bitcoin instead of the USD if they wanted to. At the time, he also revealed that he was considering financing his re-election campaign in Bitcoin. In April, Jackson, Tennessee, fo- <coughs> sorry, in April, Jackson, Tennessee followed Miami's lead with Mayor Scott Conger announcing the city was actively exploring offering its employees to be paid in cryptocurrency and consider mining Bitcoin that would be added to the city's balance sheet. So I'm still having questions as to why the the juxtaposition between the headline and the first sentence of the article. And I shouldn't be all that upset about it. It's not that I'm upset as much as I'm just getting a little exhausted with the whole crypto thing and then it turns out to be a Bitcoin piece. Bitcoin is Bitcoin and everything else is a shit coin. Okay, the whole quote crypto space is 99.99% packed with scam, fraud, mismanagement, misjudgment, and a whole host of other missives. Okay, it's just ridiculous. And I really wish the Cointelegraph would get their collective crap together and start calling Bitcoin things Bitcoin and everything else crypto. My God almighty, even the Human Rights Foundation gets this shit right because they donate $210,000 in Bitcoin ecosystem grants. No, seriously. And you're talking about the Human Rights Foundation, which in and of itself depends on donations. And yet they're getting so many donations that they themselves can donate $210,000 to the Bitcoin ecosystem. It's amazing. Namcios is also writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine. The Human Rights Foundation, Bitcoin Development Fund's latest round of awards totals $210,000 to three Bitcoin core contributors, 
two Lightning Network wallet teams, and one Arabic translator. Quote, this round of gifts will focus on Bitcoin Core development, making it easier to run nodes and making it harder to civil attack those nodes, wallet optimization for emerging markets, privacy improvements for Lightning apps, and expanding Arabic language Bitcoin education and translation, announced HRF Chief Strategy Officer Alex Gladstein. HRF will award the largest sum to the Bitcoin Core developers Calvin Kim, Dhruv Mehta, and Abu Akkar Nurkahili, who will receive $50,000 each. <clears throat> Kim currently researches ways to scale the Bitcoin base layer with the UtreeXO client and has recently shown promising results. With this new grant, Kim will take it a step further and work towards making UtreeXO usable by an end user, he shared on Twitter. Meanwhile, Mita... We'll continue working on Bitcoin Core security while Kahli will be working on wallet optimization for his home country of Nigeria. The Lightning Network app ecosystem will receive two grants, each totaling $25,000 according to the announcement. Sphinx Chat, a Lightning wallet, and encrypted messaging service that allows for chatting over Lightning will use its grant for a new, uh, for a new donation interface for humanitarians and activists. And Breeze, another Lightning wallet, will dedicate its funding towards bounties to add Tor and Nextcloud to its platform and integrate Lightning with Matrix. Finally, Arabic HODL will use its $10,000 grant to continue translating Bitcoin content into Arabic. This is good news, honestly. And <clears throat> the whole uh, Sphinx Chat and Breeze Wallet thing is really exciting because those are the, the two top apps that are also allowing the podcasting 2.0 value for value transfer. And if you'd like to support this particular podcast doing that, all you need to do is go over to Breeze, get a Breeze wallet, put some Satoshis on it. And inside the Breeze wallet is the podcasting app. And you can listen to my podcast and stream me sats. I recommend three sats per minute because I really do think I'll see dollar sat parity before I am in the ground. In either event, <clears throat> Stanley Druckenmiller says Ethereum is MySpace before sp Facebook, while Bitcoin won as Google. So flipping the narrative, we've got Stan Druckenmiller here. And again, billionaire, don't trust them. Don't believe them. I'm telling you, man, it's a dangerous game as these billionaires start wading into the into the shallow end of the pool. And once, see, and this is the problem with Elon Musk. He didn't even learn how to swim in the shallow end. He just went right for the deep end and started drowning. And now you got a whole bunch of plebs that are either dunking on his ass, trying to kill him, or trying to lift him out of the water and teach his ass how to swim. Who knows? But William Suberg's got it for Cointelegraph. Bitcoin is at risk of flipping from Ether mainstream media claims as familiar FUD returns to the spotlight as Bitcoin continues to flag below $40,000, an old argument has resurfaced, but major investors are fighting back. In an article on May the 31st, Bloomberg cited multiple sources claiming that in the future, Ether will overtake Bitcoin as the world's cryptocurrency of choice. The largest altcoin quote will likely exceed Bitcoin at some point in the future, as Ethereum will be superior when it comes to innovation and developer interest, Tegan Klein, co-founder of blockchain firm Edge and Node, <laughs> told the publication. Another executive added that Ethereum has a, quote, better growth story. <laughs> better scam story is what more like it. The argument is far from new and has appeared regularly throughout Ethereum's existence. The Ethereum network's major recent upgrade has kept its profile afloat, 
<clears throat> and Ether has outperformed Bitcoin over the past year and formed the backbone of the decentralized finance phenomenon. <gasps> you know what they say about phenomenons? Generally speaking, they're scams. Anyway, Ether, long on a losing streak, reached its highest exchange rate in three years earlier this month. They're talking about the exchange between Ether and Bitcoin. ETH has also managed to preserve some more, or more of its price gains than Bitcoin in recent days. As Cointelegraph reported, a key moving average remains intact for ETH USD, while BTC USD has failed to recapture lines in the sand. Oh well. For all its impressive performance, however, claiming that Ethereum will replace Bitcoin at the top is nonsensical, many argue, and not only staunch Bitcoin supporters. In an interview with The Hustle last week, billionaire investor Stanley Druckenmiller became the latest non-tech figure to cast aside doubts about Bitcoin staying in power. Quote, <clears throat> I think Bitcoin has won the store of value game because of its brand. It's been around for 13 to 14 years and it has a finite supply. I don't think it's 13 to 14 years, dude. Is it going to be gold? I don't know, but it sure as hell is doing a good, good imitation of it in the last year or two. End quote. For Druckenmiller, Ethereum is to Bitcoin what MySpace is to Google. Quote, I'm a little more skeptical of whether it can hold its position. It reminds me a little of MySpace before Facebook, he continued. Quote, or maybe a better analogy is Yahoo before Google came along. Google wasn't that much faster than Yahoo, but it didn't need to be. All it needed to be was a little bit faster and the rest is history. End quote. Others have long pointed out that technically Bitcoin and Ethereum have little in common. Bitcoin's finite supply and years of resistance to attacks place it in a different league than any other cryptocurrency. And comparing another one to it is an apples to oranges comparison. Quote, I generally think all the other digital currencies don't really compete with Bitcoin and are in no way similar to Bitcoin. Saifedean Amis, author of the Bitcoin Standard, famously told the Unchained podcast in August of 2017, quote, I think the real competition is, if I'm generous, I'll say Amazon Web Services and these kinds of platforms. And maybe, but like I've said, you know, and I've said it before, if you're, hope, you know, if you're waiting for the day that Ethereum dies, it's not. It's just not, I, I don't like it, okay? But I also, I don't want anybody like, you know, laboring under false pretenses like Ethereum is just gonna go away. It's not. However, it has almost like almost nothing to do with Bitcoin. <clears throat> Their monetary policy changes on a month over month basis, it seems. They keep getting shit wrong. It just, the whole thing is a mess and they've been wanting to move to proof of stake since 2016, it, since 2016, people, that's like five years, they've been quote unquote, moving to proof of stake and they never seem to get there. So, you know, you, you tell me, you know, I mean, with wallet hacks, the Dow, the Dow roll, the Dow rollback was the one that is the most concerning of everything. <clears throat> Whether it's a, 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 like there was a hack on a major wallet, they've had, in, like when Infura went down, you know, a whole bunch of nodes got knocked offline to the point that exchanges had to stop, you know, trading or allowing deposits and withdrawals of, of Ethereum because so much of the network was compromised with Infura going down, which shows its centralization. But the DAO hack, <clears throat> the DAO hack is the one that really bugs me because they rolled the whole chain back. And the only reason you have Ethereum Classic 
is because of that rollback. And what happened was that somebody hacked, uh, like, a, a, I can't remember exactly what it was. It was either, a, I think it was a major, oh, it was the, well, it was not an exchange. It was the DAO, which was a decentralized autonomous organization that was voting on who they were going to give money to for development. And Slocket was a company that was in, in play and they were going to, or they had won this major, you know, well, for lack of a better term, grant from the Dow. And then that got hacked and almost all of it got drained. So what did the boys over at Ethereum do? They all got into a room and they decided to roll back the Ethereum chain to before, right before the hack occurred. And that caused the split in the chain to go to Ethereum Classic. Ethereum, or rather Ethereum Classic was born out of that hack. So the Ethereum Classic chain has the DAO hack intact. The regular Ethereum chain does not. Why? Well, because they were all able to get into a room with a group of people and make a complete change to the, to the quote unquote immutability of their blockchain. It proved that their chain is not immutable. They can change it whenever they want, which is one of the reasons I don't hold Ethereum. I don't trust them. I, I literally don't trust them. I mean, it's like 80% of all the trust I, I would have for Ethereum was, would be drained away just with the DAO hack. Everything else is like adds up to nine, you know, to the rest of the 99.99% of the reason why I don't trust these guys. That and the fact that there's a 70% pre-mine. So every time you buy Ethereum, you just make Vitalik richer. That's the great thing about the immaculate conception of Bitcoin is that we don't have that shit. We also don't have the ability to roll back the chain. It's just, uh, it kills me all the time. So let's see, let's, let's continue on to people who do get it and they live in Argentina. Bitcoin Magazine's Namcios or Namcios is writing this one for Bitcoin Magazine as well. Subsidized energy and shrinking economy lead to Bitcoin mining boom in Argentina, as if you didn't think that was going to happen. Bitcoin miners in Argentina are taking advantage of the country's shrinking economy and its debased currency to harvest oversized returns powered by cheap government-subsidized energy, Bloomberg reports. Quote, even after Bitcoin's price correction, the cost of electricity for anyone mining in their house is still a fraction of the total revenue generated. Nicholas Bourbon, who, is, who has experienced mining Bitcoin from Buenos Aires, told Bloomberg, miners are capitulating on Argentina's cheap residential electricity due to intense government subsidies that seek to win political points from voters. Quote, the crypto that miners generate is typically sold at the parallel exchange rate, but the energy is paid for at a subsidized rate, explained Bourbon. At the moment, revenues are very high, end quote. The Bitcoin parallel exchange rate in the country is selling at a hefty premium as Argentines have substantial currency restrictions imposed on them and desperately seek better stores of value than their fiat currency, the peso. According to Bloomberg, Bitcoin's parallel exchange rate in the country traded at around $63,000 on Sunday. Holy shit. A 75% premium of the official rate of $36,000. 
Apart from local Argentine homeowners, international mining firms are also taking action to benefit from the situation. Last month, Canada's BitFarms LTD secured a deal to draw 210 megawatts of power from an underused Argentinian natural gas plant per Bloomberg. Quote, we're looking for places that have overbuilt their electrical generation systems, BitFarm's president Jeffrey Morphy told Bloomberg, quote, economic activity in Argentina is down and power is not being fully utilized, so it was a win-win situation. Although electricity in Argentina is much cheaper than its neighboring countries, the home mining trend is starting to pick up in South America. For example, in Brazil, Bitcoin mining interest has reached a three-year high, according to data from Google Trends. Local outlet Portal do Bitcoin recently reported. Growing unemployment, a shrinking economy, and a devalued currency since the pandemic breakout have left Brazilians seeking alternative income sources by mining Bitcoin at home. As a permissionless government agnostic decentralized money, Bitcoin is providing an alternative to people under interventionist government's monetary policies around the world. Well, yeah, that's kind of what the whole, that's the whole point now, isn't it? So I've said it so many times on this show. I am not concerned about the West and its adoption or non-adoption of Bitcoin. I do not care. Because the great guts and feathers of humanity exist outside of the West. They are not in Canada or the United States or the UK or even China and Australia and India. No, 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 no. The great guts and feathers of humanity exist in Central America, South America, the continent of Africa, Eastern Europe, the Baltics, the Balkans, and all sorts of other little places that I don't, you know, like probably the Philippines. I don't know. I'm just saying it's, it does not surprise me in the least that South Americans, Central Americans are going to start doing this more and more. And you're going to see South America's wealth increase. Hell, we got El Zante in El Salvador. And I just wrote just yesterday, I've never in my entire life even considered going to El Salvador until El Zante and Bitcoin Beach happened. Now, I, I think that it might be a good vacation destination, at least to El Zante, maybe not the rest of the country, but wait a few years. It was only a few, you know, it was only took a few months for El Zante to become co- completely captured by Bitcoin. How much longer will it take the neighboring communities to join in? And when the neighboring ju- communities join in, how, you know, at what point does the virus of Bitcoin spread through the whole of El Salvador as people gain a better condition of living. We'll have to see, but I think it's going to happen faster than most people think. Hey, let's run the numbers. CNBC.com futures and commodities shows that flammable liquids are on fire. West Texas Intermediate is up 2.7% 2.7% is coming in at $68 a barrel. Brent North Sea has topped $70 a barrel, coming in at $70.77. That is a 2% rise. <clears throat> Natural gas is, oh God, a 2.5% rise to $3.06 per, per thousand cubic feet of gas. Gold, 
up 0.2% is coming in at $1,909.20 per ounce. Silver is up 1.27%, $28.37 an ounce for that. Platinum is up a scant 0.08. Copper is down almost a half point. Palladium is up 0.4. Agricultural futures are all up, including wheat and sugar. My God, wheat is up 2.3%. Sugar is up 2.13%. And the only thing that is actually down at this point is rough rice at 0.08%. So it's just down scant while cotton is up 2.3%. Now, the sugar being up that high and the wheat being up that high is going to translate into higher food costs later on. Unless, of course, all these futures, you know, tank, in which case it won't. But uh, futures are futures. They're going to do what futures do. Dow futures are up 0.72%, S&P futures up 0.5, NASDAQ futures up 0.4, and the S&P mini is up 0.7. So everybody's having a good day, most likely because all the bond prices got pushed down and the 30-year got pushed down fairly substantially. 0.24 for the downside in the price of the 30-year futures treasury, 0.13 to the downside for 10, 0.06 to the downside for the five, and the two-year treasury bond got pushed down a scant 0.01%. Uh, real money, we've got Bitcoin at $36,411.14. 230,000 transactions performed over the last 24 hours is about 9,600 transactions on average per hour with only half a million BTC being trading hands in that 24 hour period. That is 20,973 BTC over the last, or or 20,973 BTC being traded every hour on the hour and 2.18 BTC is the average transaction value while 0.027 BTC is the mean transaction value which translates to roughly 971 bucks. Block times are pegged at 10 minutes and four seconds. So apparently we've had, well, of course we've had the difficulty adjustment and it was slated to go down like between 15 and 18%. And apparently it did. Uh, We have 0.3 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and only 45 and a half BTC being taken in fees on a 24 hour period. The hash rate is right now is down 0.69% and we are at 146.7 exahashes per second, which is probably three times higher than we actually need it to be to confidently secure the network. And honestly, we're probably 6x above that. All the people that are screaming about all the power being used to do the transactions, which is not the case, it's to secure the blockchain itself. The transactions are just ancillary. <clears throat> We don't need this much to secure this network. Later on, maybe, but right now we're probably, I don't know, six times the amount of hash rate that we actually need to properly secure this thing. The fact that so many people want to mine Bitcoin because there's an inherent value that they see in it is the reason why we have 146.7 exahashes per second. So the only way to get rid of people wanting to mine is somehow or another make sure that the value of Bitcoin isn't what the value of Bitcoin is. They haven't been successful in doing that in 11 years. So let's see. Oh, oh, your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin and it is standing at 29.1 US pennies at this time. We have only 6,000 transactions are waiting for 30 blocks to clear. Wow, that's a low amount of transactions. Of course we were 
coming off the Memorial Day weekend, and it is, you know, Tuesday, so meh. Who knows what's going to happen later on in the day. We are at $686.1 billion of market cap. That is 5.54% of gold's market cap. You can buy 19.2 ounces of gold with one Bitcoin, of which there are 18,723,566.5 Bitcoin in circulation. And 1,399 of those are stuck in the Lightning Network with a capacity value of $51.3 million. We have 11,646 lightning nodes running 47,744 channels. Tor percentage capacity of the lightning network has hit yet another all-time high at 62.0%. That means that there are 868.16 BTC in the Tor side of the lightning network, and that is being run over 5,924 nodes that we know about. Taproot is indeed above 97%. In fact, Taproot signaling is at 97.98% and almost, let's see, who's, at this point, I just got to count who's not, uh, what mining pools are not signaling, and that's going to be unrecognized miners. Uh, Let's see, BTC pool, which is unidentified, and I don't exactly know what that means. There's ARC pool not signaling, and Mara pool is still not signaling. Um, they have mined three blocks so far in this mine, in this difficulty period, three guys, they've mined three and the very first block that they mined of this particular difficulty period, not only shows that they mined OFAC compliant blocks or transactions, but they were not signaling for taproot. And as of yet, they have, well, they still have yet to signal for Taproot. Zero out of their three blocks for Mar- or Marathon are not signaling for Taproot. So like I said, we'll have to wait and see if the CEO uh, Teal's uh, statements actually end up being true and they start mining uh, non-OFAC compliant transactions and start signaling for Taproot. We'll just have to wait for that. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. Mary Juliet is going to uh, tell us about this one from Cointelegraph. Bitcoin's rising popularity will lead to more regulations, says Riksbank. Cryptocurrency's persistent growth and ever more mainstream adoption are keeping international money authorities on their toes. In fresh comments this week, Stefan Ingves the governor of Riksbank, Sweden's central bank, said that digital assets rising popularity raises the stakes for regulators, central bankers, and lawmakers worldwide. Quote, when something gets big enough, things like consumer interest and money laundering come into play. So there's good reason to believe that regulation will happen. End quote. Oh God, no, you think? Devising regulatory frameworks for an asset that was initially designed to circumvent the very architecture and rules of traditional finance is no easy task. In the United States, the Federal Reserve Vice Chairman and Supervision of uh, uh, sorry, Federal Reserve Vice Chairman of Supervision Randall Quarles raised his concerns that current regulatory provisions for crypto are inadequate, indicating that the Fed is in the process of looking into how best to tackle that issue. Quarles's remarks were made amid a week of wild volatility in the cryptocurrency markets, with Bitcoin temporarily shedding a steep 15 grand in value in one fell swoop. 
The European Union has, meanwhile, pledged to put in place a comprehensive framework enabling the uptake of distributed ledger technology and crypto assets in the financial sector by 2024, one that will equally tackle the risks involved in these technologies' mainstream uptake. In Sweden, Asa Lindhagen, the Minister of Financial Markets, has said that the government is already engaged in strengthening regulatory standards for cryptocurrency exchanges. Various crypto regulatory approaches remain, she said, a work in progress at the international level. Ingves has himself remarked that cryptocurrency regulations, quote, will probably come at different times in different areas. Yet, when it comes to the very important issue of money laundering, Lindhagen pointed to the need for cross-border coordination between regulators worldwide. As regulators mull how to approach the phenomenon of decentralized crypto assets, the Swedish central bank is meanwhile making headway with its development of a central bank digital currency, the e-krona. Its proof of concept uses Corda. Good luck with that. A distributed ledger technology solution from R3. Ingves has previously indicated the currency could be operational within five years. Oh, man. God. Corda. Okay, so if you don't know the R3 saga, I'm not going to rehash it here. But some prominent, like a prominent Bitcoiner, rage quit uh, Bitcoin and went over and either started Corda or co-founded it or started working for him or some such shit. I don't know. But it R3 has been a mess ever since they announced it. You know, it, it was very much like it was very much like a ripple story where they kept announcing all these partnerships with banks and how it was going to be better than Bitcoin and blah, blah, blah. And the same shit that happened to, to Ripple is ha- has, or the same shit that happen- is happening to Ripple happened to Corda. All the, like so many banks pulled out, they lost interest. They didn't give a shit anymore. They just got tired of the whole damn thing. And now it's like a skeleton of its former self. And yet here we have, Sweden's central bank wanting to issue the e-krona on Corda. Oh my God, it's just, oh, it's sickening to to actually have to watch. Anyway, the Thai SEC warns that DeFi transactions could be subject to law involving licensing of all things. Coindesk's uh, Sebastian Sinclair has this one. Thailand's Securities and Exchange Commission may move to regulate decentralized finance projects in the country, including the issuance of digital tokens. In an announcement on Sunday, the securities regulator said DeFi activity involving digital tokens such as liquidity provider tokens, governance tokens, or tokens issued on those transacting in DeFi projects, quote, must be licensed and abide by the specific rules, end quote. Under the Digital Asset Business Emergency Decree, issuing digital tokens must be authorized by the SEC. The issuer is required to disclose information and offer digital assets through token portals licensed under the decree, the regulator said. The law also stipulates that crypto exchanges, digital asset brokerages, digital asset dealers, private fund managers, and investment advisors must be licensed by the Ministry of Finance. Comments from the regulator come after Thai DeFi project Tuk Tuk Finance on Sunday debuted the BitCub chain, as reported by the Bangkok Post on Tuesday. The project's native Tuk token, T-U-K, rose to several hundred dollars before plummeting beneath one dollar 
within minutes. Jesus, I don't know why anybody wants to get into this shit. Quote, for traders, it is best to study the DeFi project before getting involved in both the technical and security aspects, the SEC said. Traders should check whether the service provider is a digital asset business that is licensed and regulated by the SEC or other regulatory agencies under law. I've said it before. If it looks like it can be regulated, it will be regulated. You can guarantee yourself that and never have another problem in life ever again. Now, Helen Parts is writing this one for Cointelegraph. Bank account flows for South Korean crypto exchanges surge 40% since 2020. Apparently, nobody in South Korea gives a shit about the FUD. As cryptocurrency markets grew in the first quarter of 2021, South Korean banks saw record volumes of deposits and withdrawals to local crypto exchanges. South Korean commercial banks processed 64.2 trillion won or 57.9 billion dollars US of transactions on real name bank accounts linked to crypto exchanges in the first quarter of 2021 according to data from financial supervisory service acquired by Democratic Party member Kim Byung-wook the Q1 result, results comprise data from lenders like Shinhan Bank Online Bank K Bank and Korean NH Nong Hip Bank, as well as four major local crypto exchanges, including Upbit, BitThumb, CoinOne, and Corbit. Local business publication, the Malil Business Newspapers reports on Tuesday. According to the data, crypto flows on verified bank accounts in South Korea surged over 40% year over year from 37 trillion won, or $33.4 billion, in the first quarter of 2020. South Korean banks have also recorded a major increase in fees paid by crypto exchanges with K-Bank receiving nearly 5 billion won in crypto commissions from Upbit Exchange in the first quarter. This is almost a tenfold increase from 560 million won, which was only $540,000 in Q4 of 2020, the report notes. Uh, the Nonghip Bank reportedly received 1.3 billion won or $1.2 million and $297,000 from BitThumb and Coin One, respectively, in the first quarter of 2021, while Shinhan Bank received $131,000 USD from Corbit, the data showed. Kim said that the growing speculative fever in crypto markets fueled its market liquidity, leading to the marked increase in the number of real-name bank accounts for crypto trading and crypto exchange-derived fees. Quote, the financial authorities and major commercial banks should roll up their sleeves to protect crypto investors from possible crypto scams and external hacking attacks targeting local coin operators, the official said. As previously reported, South Korean financial regulators require local virtual asset service providers to acquire verifiable accounts in their real names from banks. So who's being protected here? It, it, they don't give a shit about retail. They're protecting themselves. They're just using retail as a human shield. I'm, I'm telling you, man. Now, Globant, I've never heard of this company before. Globant says it bought Bitcoin in the first quarter. And this is, where who is this from? This is from Kevin Reynolds writing for Coindesk. Information technology and software development firm Globant bought Bitcoin in the quarter ended March 31st, according to a company filing made this week with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. With the purchase, the Luxembourg-based firm becomes the latest company to hold cryptocurrency on its balance sheet, following the footsteps of firms like MicroStrategy and Tesla. 
at March 31st, when the price of a single Bitcoin was roughly around $58,000, Globant's holding of the leading cryptocurrency was worth $500,000. Bitcoin is currently trading at about $34,000. A spokesman declined to comment on what the company paid for each Bitcoin. So we don't know when they bought Bitcoin. We just know that they have bought Bitcoin. So we'll have to see. And like I said, I've, I've never heard of Globant before. So I don't know, anything can happen at this point, I suppose. Now, voting on a proposal to reimburse Mt. Gox victims begins today. And I think this was from yesterday. In fact, it was. This was May 31st. Colin Harper's writing it for Coindesk. The trustee presiding over the Mt. Gox civil rehabilitation case has taken the next step towards partially reimbursing victims who lost money to the cryptocurrency exchange in hacks that date back nearly a decade. As of today, claimants can begin to vote on whether or not they will accept the civil rehabilitation proposal. The deadline for claimants to cast their votes online is October the 8th. Significantly, the notice from the trustee states, quote, if you do not vote, you will be deemed as having voted against the draft rehabilitation plan for the requirement of the amount of the voting rights, end quote. Since a minimum threshold of 50% of votes is required in order for the proposal to pass, there is a chance that the proposal could fail even if the majority of votes actively cast vote in favor of acceptance. How, uh, rather, according to a letter sent to claimants last year, the proposed payout would reimburse creditors in both Japanese won, won, Japanese yen or BTC slash BCH. The total value of each claim is denominated in Japanese yen, with each Bitcoin being pegged to nearly $7,000, which was the rough price of Bitcoin when the civil rehabilitation began in 2018 not the $37,000 price of today, but also not the few hundred dollars that Bitcoin was trading at when Mt. Gox fell. I find that rather interesting myself. Mt. Gox was hacked recently from, recurrently, sorry, not recently, was Mt. Gox was hacked recurrently from 2012 through 2014, eventually driving it into insolvency. Since 2014, bankruptcy proceedings have evolved into these rehabilitation proceedings. The drawn-out drama means some exhausted creditors sold their claims to law firms, individuals, and other stakeholders in the case. According to the terms of the proposal, if a claimant filed a fiat bankruptcy claim back in the day, they would be entitled to a priority pay payout for the full sum plus lost damages. For everyone else, there are a few options. First, all approved creditors will receive a base payment of up to 200 yen, which is about $1,800, that will count towards their total claim. From there, they can choose between two options. They can opt for a faster early sum payment, which will reimburse them for about 21% of their first claim, or they can also choose to wait for what could potentially be a few percentage points more, but that's not guaranteed. In other words, someone who lost one BTC and $1,000 who selects the early sum payment would receive a base payment of $1,826 along with 0.1319 BTC 
and 0.133 BCH and 247,000 Japanese yen for an approximate value of nearly $10,000. Should that same person select the later final payment options, they could see that amount go up to around $11,000 US, but it could also dip lower than the early sum amount of $10,000. There is no guarantee that the price will go up or down because Mt. Gox currently holds over 141,000 BTC, 141,000 BCH, and some 68 billion Japanese yen of fiat, but they have a total of 680,000 BTC, BCH, and 8.8 .8 billion Japanese yen in approved claims per a WizSec blog post which explains payout details. There are also some claims awaiting approval, so at this point there is no way of knowing exactly what the final total disbursement amount to creditors will be. Also up for clarification is how those funds will be denominated. Creditors who lost funds in fiat currencies will be paid in Japanese yen. Any cryptocurrency amounts owing will be reimbursed in a mix of BTC or, and or BCH and Japanese yen. WizSec estimates that 30% of the dollar amount of BTC slash BCH claims will likely have to settle in Japanese yen due to the shortage of cryptocurrency funds recovered and the numerous exchanges for fiat that have been conducted over the years. Any disbursement in cryptocurrencies will be sent to exchanges including, included on a whitelist approved by the trustee. Creditors can get an estimate of their potential payout should the proposal pass the vote by using the payout calculator on WISSEC's latest post regarding the rehabilitation proceedings. Should the proposal be accepted by the majority of stakeholders, individual can, individuals can then decide which of the two options they will choose for themselves. Should the vote fail, it will be back to the drawing board for the trustee and the board leaving creditors waiting for a new proposal to be drawn up. Considering the years it has taken for this proposal to be created, failure to accept these terms would likely force creditors to wait even longer for any compensation. These recovery efforts by the Mt. Gox trustee, despite some media claims, are separate from a class action lawsuit levied against Mark Carpellis, the owner and operator of Mt. Gox at the time. It went bust. Carpellis has suggested that creditors should accept the trustee's proposal rather than pursue him in the separate class action proceedings. However, he is not directly involved in the proposal negotiations, although he kind of wanted to be for a little while. So, okay, so if you're, if for whatever reason you're listening to this <coughs> and you are a Mt. Gox creditor, I would probably vote yes for this. Because Mt. Gox is a zombie at this point, and it just keeps coming back. And it's just a reminder all the time to all those poor souls that got their asses handed to them. Because what? Not your keys, not your coins. This will happen again. It's you know, not to Mt. Gox. It'll happen to something like Kraken or, I don't know, Bitmax or Bitfinex or something. Get your keys, <clears throat> control your own keys, all right? Don't let somebody else control your keys for you. Please, for the love of God, don't do that. Now, finally, Bitcoin will survive concerns about the environment, says Iris Energy. This is Decrypt's Scott Cipollina writing it for, um, what, yesterday? Quote, I don't think it's up to any individual to decide where energy should be used, said Daniel Roberts, co-founder of Iris Energy P. 
PTY, adding, it's a market-based decision where Bitcoin, by virtue of the attraction and adoption it's gained, is commanding that level of energy to secure it to secure people's savings, end quote. Iris Energy uses renewable energy for its mining operations. The recent renewed scrutiny Bitcoin has faced over its carbon footprint demonstrates, per Roberts, that his company has approached this industry in the right way. Quote, the recent news in the space of the focus on ESG continues to highlight that the business model we embarked on many years ago is likely the right one, Roberts added. Bitcoin's carbon footprint has come under intense scrutiny in the last few months. Thank you, Elon Musk. The Bitcoin network consumes approximately 115 terawatt hours of energy per year, meaning it uses more energy annually than most of the world's countries. That's not true. All right, so Decrypt is at their scummy best in this article yet one more fucking time. Per Cambridge University, only 39% of the Bitcoin network runs on renewable energy. That's also bullshit. Cambridge got it wrong. The carbon footprint behind the non-renewable majority of the network is equivalent to around 61 billion pounds of burned coal, 9 million homes worth of average electricity consumption for a year, or 138 billion miles driven by an average passenger vehicle, which are stupid comparisons, by the way. Yet, despite Bitcoin's heavy carbon footprint, many invested in the cryptocurrency have rushed to its defense. Square, which has purchased over $200 million in Bitcoin since earlier this month, previously told Decrypt it does not plan to change its Bitcoin investment plan. In fact, the firm went one better, publishing a white paper arguing that Bitcoin could be the catalyst for a green financial future. ARK Invest, who has recently defended Bitcoin's impact on the environment, um, says, in our view, the concerns around Bitcoin's energy consumption is misguided. Contrary to consensus thinking, we believe the impact of Bitcoin mining could become a net positive for the environment, ARK Invest analyst said in a research note published earlier this month. According to Bloomberg, Iris has been approached by several special purpose acquisition companies, otherwise known as SPACs, about a potential U.S. listing. This could reportedly raise three to $500 million. So I'm not sure what Decrypt's fucking problem is here. They seem to have just gone anti-Bitcoin. And I, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't think I ever will. But you're, you're, throwing your dice in, in, you're throwing your dice on the wrong table, dude. This is roulette. This is not craps. All right? So these people need to get their shit together. And that's what's sad is that Decrypt is probably never going to get their shit together. Decrypt has kind of turned into nothing but NFT news. So I read this just to keep my tabs on, you know, my, my fingers on the pulse of Decrypt and other major, other major publications to see which way the wind's blowing. And as demonstrated here, the wind is blowing in a pretty sour direction for Decrypt because they keep making these freaking claims. And, and like, this is, what, this is what I mean. Uh, let's see here. Like this, man. The carbon footprint behind the non-renewable majority of the network is equivalent to. Now, let's just stop right there. The carbon footprint behind the non-renewable majority. Okay, they're still going with that Cambridge University report that says only 39% is renewable energy. All right, so they're, they're, they're reinforcing that idea through the sentence of footprint behind non-renewable majority. And then they say shit like around 61 billion pounds of burned 
coal. How come they didn't convert that to MCF of natural gas? Because coal has, is, is scarier to the masses. See, decrypt at this point is just a mouthpiece for the same shit and the same FUD that we see all over the place. I'm trying to get away from decrypt. I really am. But sometimes I got to go back to them to see where their uh, loyalties lie. And honestly, at this point, I think decrypt can be counted as an anti-Bitcoin company. That's going to do it for your morning roundup. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Randy McMillan, or at least he's the one that tipped me off to this particular joke from at Bripto Bells. If smoking is bad for you, then why does it cure salmon? Yeah, there you go. There's your, your Tuesday joke. All right, man, as usual, if you want to help me out with the show, listen to it through Breeze Wallet. Stream me sats on their podcasting app, which is inside the Breeze Wallet, while you're listening on a value-to-value basis. Also, uh, like, share, subscribe, tell your friends about it, and give me a five-star review on Apple iTunes because that always helps, and God knows I need the help. I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.